Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIPC. Never take a L no my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Tony Kinnett, co-founder of Chalkboard Review. He is an education journalist, uh, former STEM administrator for IPS. Tony, how are you? Absolutely stellar, gentlemen. Look, um, we'll start with the breakdown here of the nation's report card that just dropped a couple of days ago. Not good. Latest data says that the... Uh, Math scores have dropped among 4th and 8th graders in nearly every state. Reading scores are also down in roughly half of the United States. Uh, Does this surprise you, considering we'd locked kids out of schools for the better part of a year and a half in some areas? No, because for the last year and a half, individuals at Chalkboard Review and a lot of our partnering organizations have basically been, you know, screaming at brick walls, trying to convince people that this was a mistake, that locking kids out of classrooms was a horrible decision. Uh, We were pointing to students in smaller uh, schools. There's also a linked study to the report card that you guys have talked about in which Catholic schools that stayed open. We don't have a ton of those in Indiana, but nationwide. Smaller Catholic schools that stayed open saw normal academic growth and even accelerated academic growth. And uh, in some of the metropolitan districts where students were locked out the longest, uh, I think of IPS, I think of Chicago, I think of Washington, D.C. and New York, the scores are abysmal. I mean, I'm actually running out of words to describe how awful the academic abuse uh, that has been done to children um, has has really been in the last year and a half. Well, and you talk about abuse. There's more than academic abuse. Some of these kids, especially in uh, living in poverty, did not have the um, e setups, the electric, uh, you know, the ebooks, the computer setups. The uh, they did not have an extra set of eyes on them in terms of uh, possible abusive situations within the family. I mean, this is not just an education thing. This was horrible for our children and i feel like it was the national teachers unions that played a big role in all of this so i actually predicted this a couple of years ago when i was getting one of my master's degrees at ball state my thesis for my education technology master's degree uh, was that we are not prepared uh, to basically bring our schools up to code and infrastructure and making sure that uh, when a circumstance arises, and at the time I didn't actually predict uh, a pandemic or something, I predicted uh, some other situations that might keep a school closed for a few weeks. And I pointed out that teachers unions nationwide would likely be uh, the biggest protesters to actually getting things up to speed so that our kids would have the ability to learn. And you can actually find that published over at Ball State University uh, so that, you know, I'm not just, you know, gumming the listeners. Uh, But, yeah, it's incredible the students, especially in impoverished situations, uh, that we weren't able to actually provide any services to. 
Um, and some schools really did a phenomenal job, though. In Indiana, there were a lot of schools and a lot of teachers that uh, basically volunteered their entire day to yes. run meals around to students. Mm-hmm. It's just a shame that that isn't what happened everywhere. So, Tony, let's get into the phrase lockdowns, because here's what I'm seeing, and I'm pretty sure you're probably seeing the same thing, where politics and education get even more intertwined than they were before. I see a lot of people on social media saying, wait a minute, nobody ever locked your kids out of school. We saw this the other night in the governor's debate, gubernatorial debate between uh, DeSantis in Florida and Charlie Crist. The Democrats are now trying to call the Republicans the lockdown party. We've got Dr. Fauci saying, whoa, whoa, I never (laughs) called for locking kids out of school. We're not dumb. We saw what happened with our own eyes. But I'm seeing a lot of folks, particularly on the woke political left, trying to, I guess, just convince people that they didn't lock kids out of school. Absolutely. If you actually go back to a lot of the USA Today affiliate publications, of which the Indianapolis Star is one of them, and you you take a look at what was going on in August of 2020, you actually saw the Trump administration come out before the country and say, it is time to get kids back into schools. There are disastrous effects, we believe keeping kids out of schools, and uh, he was lambasted. The uh, His administration's Department of Education was lambasted. They were called horrible, evil grandma killers. Uh, there were even some local school boards that said so. And then you actually have school board candidates, uh, or not candidates, excuse me, sitting school board members like Michelle Fullhart over in Hamilton Southeastern that said there are no long-term negative effects of keeping kids locked out of schools. There's no problem to this. So not only can the Democrats not decide what actual approach they're running on, what version of history they're going to try to tell us happened, uh, but they're still refusing to own up to the terrible lockdowns they endorsed that they brought forward and that harmed kids more than probably any education decision in U.S. history. Tony, I want to get your thoughts on what we're seeing here in Indiana with uh, the school board races, because we've had conversations the last couple of weeks leading up to the midterms here about whether or not you should have to identify yourself as a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever, on the ballot. It's not the case in Indiana, but a lot of people would really like to know which side of the political scale you're on. When we have these conversations, some of the Indiana Democrats, they get their panties in such a twist, in such a wad, but now you've got some of the Indiana Democrats doing a fundraiser for school board candidates. Do do I understand this correctly? Yeah, so Jennifer McCormick, former state superintendent and a very ardent Democrat, has been ranting and railing for the last couple of months, again, an article in USA Today, talking about how dangerous it is that Republicans, and by really which they mean parents, because a lot of parent groups formed by not just Republicans, but former Democrats, current Democrats, politically homeless individuals, independents, that simply want a lot of change in schools. They want to shake up the status quo. They want to try to see if different things might work for their kids, returning to academics, etc. And they've put a lot of effort and time into school board races because they understand that change happens first locally. And it's amazing to see the teachers unions, which have been pumping tens of millions of dollars into education lobbying every single year for decades, coupled with the Indiana Democrats, which are now sending Jennifer McCormick 
who just wrote an article saying how bad it was. Jennifer McCormick is now going on behalf of the Indiana Democrats to these fundraisers for these left-leaning school board events in Hamilton Southeastern, in Carmel. It's amazing to see as, as soon as the article gets out there, she completely runs and does the exact opposite. It is the most blatant form of hypocrisy. Got a couple minutes left here with Tony Kennett, Chalkboard Review. We'll go elsewhere. What everybody's talking about today is the debate in Pennsylvania, the Senate debate between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. Oh, my God. I, I thought it was, um, I, it was cringeworthy. I had to turn it off. I, I found part of myself feeling very bad for Fetterman and uh, disgusted with the Democrats for rolling him out there and propping him up, using him as a vessel for uh, uh, you know votes in the Senate uh, if he gets elected. What did you think? Uh, I think you're exactly right. And it's incredibly bothersome to me uh, to watch individuals like Fetterman, like President Biden, be carted out onto the, you know, the national stage here. And it's clear they can't speak. It's clear that there's some serious cognitive or at least some associative mental issues going on. And it's troublesome. First of all, in a medical sense, it's very troubling. I don't care who you are. No one should be shoved onto a stage and mocked as some kind of a political prop. But also it speaks very negatively to this party, the Democrat Party, which claims to be the party that cares, that claims to be the party that stands against all of these things that the big bad right wing is trying to do. And then they they prop up these clearly you know, mentally troubled individuals up there or physically troubled. I don't mean mentally troubled as in crazy in this in this particular instance. Uh, But it's it's horrible. I mean, the man could not put together a sentence. Uh, President Biden can't put together a sentence. And I'm like you. I had to shut it off. Luckily, it was near the end of the debate. But looking back over some of these quotes, I I cannot believe this is where we are, that we're putting together these candidates that should be at home resting with family. And yet we're propping them up because we're terrified Republicans might have the Senate. It's pathetic. So, Tony, let me jump in here. And, and Nige, you can get in on this, too, because I might be the Lone Ranger here. I don't feel bad for John Fetterman. I don't. I'm tired of feeling bad. This is a dude that's out there. Whether or not his wife is making him go or whatever, he's going to choose my health care. He's going to be the one that wants to vote for radical, ridiculous bullcrap. I'm sorry he had a stroke. I hope he gets better. But he's not going to feel bad for me. So why in the blue hell should I feel bad for this guy? He's out there. He's fair game. He wants to be one of the 100 most powerful people in this country. Am I a horrible person because I don't feel bad? No. And here's why. Because it's exactly like you said, that once you have put yourself out there, come what may. I don't recall a lot of individuals when Trump was in the hospital for COVID or whatever, or in isolation, you know, wishing his good health. I don't recall a lot of individuals uh, giving anyone else any kind of leeway when Representative Scal- or excuse me, when Scalise was shot uh, during the congressional baseball game. I don't remember a lot of people giving you know their their tut tuts and and warm feelings towards him. And in this case, as far as Fetterman is concerned, Fetterman is bringing this on himself by continuing to run and asserting that he is fine. So if, if you get out there and you say, hey, look, I'm actually I'm fine, then you open yourself up to criticism. Okay, well, if you're fine, good point. Then, yeah. w- what's, then, then what's the problem with us, you know, asking you what on earth is wrong with your, your speech pattern here? It's not as though he has a stutter. 
that man is mentally and verbally unfit to hold office in Pennsylvania. And in the meantime, what is Dr. Oz supposed to do? He's being painted as a bully. But, like, you know, I don't know what else you're supposed to do except go out there and debate and ask questions and follow up. Exactly. I don't I don't understand. He can't answer simple questions. Yeah. I mean, he was asked about his flip-flopping on fracking, which is very important to a lot of Pennsylvanians. And he simply stood there for in complete silence for seven, eight seconds, which is eternity when you're on the air. Right. And then he slowly, quietly started to mutter in this weird repetition, I have always supported fracking over and over again. And it was, there's an element to that where it's sad because empathetically, if that were my family member, yes, I would hate that for them. But also, again, Hammer, it's like you said, they have decided to step out into public discourse. You can be rest assured if I got on TV and I made some kind of botched statement somewhere, people would be criticizing me and making fun of me for it. That's just the nature of the game. If anybody wants more information on what you do with Chalkboard Review or if they have questions for you, what's the best thing they can do? You should go to ChalkboardReview.com, sign up for the newsletter so you get all of our access and information. However, you can find me over on Twitter at Zatonis. And any other questions you have, my DMs are open, and I am always excited to have a chat. Tony Kennett, thank you so much. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, gentlemen. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.